This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, at the outset of the coronavirus, there was a rush on grocery stores by numerous Americans looking to stock up with items so that they didn't have to go outside for a while. And that left many locations with low supplies for several weeks. That was a challenge that many leaders within that industry probably hadn't foreseen when they're thinking about overall process. But it occurred and they had to work through it. John Mackey, founder and CEO of Whole Foods, a grocery chain with over 500 locations uh, across uh, the United States, uh, part of that. He has also authored a new book titled Conscious Leadership, Elevating Humanity Through Business. And it's a pleasure to have him joining us to talk about the book and this unique time that we're going through. John, thanks very much for your time today. Hope you're doing well. Thanks. I am doing well. And uh, thanks for having me on the show. Thank you. So let's lay out, before we get into the book, these last seven months for, for Whole Foods and, and what it has been like and, and the process of, you know, your role as a leader in trying to, you know, to, to kind of continue to have the boat on the right path during this time. Well, I think I speak for most Americans that 2020 is probably the worst year of my life. It's been an extremely difficult year. Now got over 205,000 COVID deaths. And Whole Foods is more fortunate than many businesses because we've been deemed an essential business and we've been able to, to be open. But it's still been very hard. We, we've put keeping our customers and team members safe as our highest priority, and we're very proud of what's happened there. We, we were the first to do widespread temperature checks, the first to have our employees mask up across the whole company, the first ones to get everything cleaned uh, and disinfected, and the first ones to have our customers, well, not the first one, but we were quick to have our customers also mandated to wear masks. So we've been trying to keep our team members safe, but it's hard. I mean, everybody has to social distance. Yeah. It's, 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 you're not able, you know, hopefully it's a very huggy culture and people, <laughs> nobody's hugging anybody anymore and nobody's shaking hands. So it's, it's been difficult. It's been very difficult for everybody, and we've done the best that we can. And, and um, I'm really looking forward to getting past this this virus. Yeah, because when when you in your role think about risk, this is probably not something that was really on your radar. You know, at the beginning of 2020. Nope, definitely a black swan event. We we, we did not have any master plan to deal with a pandemic. How has this impacted your thoughts around leadership? The, the pandemic? Yeah. I mean, this is when it's important that leaders step up, and it's a crisis. And when you have a crisis is when leadership is most important. You have to be, you have to be strong, and you have to be caring, and, and you, you have to help everybody. Everybody's scared, and so you have to keep your calm and help people move through the fear. It is difficult, um, uh, but I, you know, I've tried to. I think all the leaders of Whole Foods have worked hard and tried to do the best job that we can. So, tell us about the book and and how you came about to wanting to do it right now. Yeah, it's of course when you we worked on the book for a couple of years before it was published, so it had nothing to do with the pandemic, obviously. Yeah. But we published a book. This is a sequel, really, to Conscious Capitalism, which was published back in 2013. So that that came out seven years ago, and that book was was sold very well and it's had a big impact. And one of the questions that came up and repeatedly from people is, "This is great. Uh, I want to know more about how to be a more conscious leader." 
people that are leaders of companies, CEOs, and people that that have responsibilities, how can they do it better? How can they be more conscious? And so this book goes it has nine chapters that basically covers what you need to know, and, and also it has a number of practices, because to be a conscious leader is developing some new skill sets, leading with love, finding win-win-win solutions are two examples, thinking long-term. These are not things that come easily to people, and you have to practice them. So I'm very happy about the book, very proud of it, and uh, I'm, I'm glad it's done, because working on a book when you're also running a corporation is... It's, it's, <laughs> You're just too darn busy. <laughs> that's that's quite a combo that you're working on the last couple of years with that, huh? Well, fortunately, I had two very talented co-authors of the book. So in yeah. some ways, I had to do about a third of the book, if you think about it that way. So, Still, so when, it takes a lot of time. So when you, you – something you just mentioned a moment ago I wanted to bring up because the thought process of long-term versus short-term as a leader, uh, you know, I, I think – the expectation of a lot of people looking from the outside in is that it, it's to a degree a 50-50 process, uh, that you obviously have part of your mindset that is in the short term, but part of it that it is in the long term. But it sounded like from a moment ago, from what you just said, that maybe there's not enough long-term thought process by leaders. I think that's true, uh, and I think you've got it right. You have to do both simultaneously, and it, we're always living in the current moment, we're always living that we used to be the long term. So the decisions that that I and Whole Foods made 10 years ago, we're living in that reality right now. But there are always short-term things that come up that are unexpected, like COVID, for example. Yeah. And, and so you, you have to be thinking ahead. You have to be planning long-term. And, of course, we do not plan for a pandemic over the long term. But, I mean, inherently in a retail business, we're signing store leases that – that last for 20 years. We're on the hook for 20 years of rent, and we're going to make major capital investments. So we always have to be thinking long-term about a store. How's it going to look in five years and 10 years and 15 years out, not just how it's going to be in the first couple of years? And as a public company, though, you're, you're definitely under, and Whole Foods was public for 25 years. Yeah. You're, in a public company, you're always facing those short-term quarterly results. And if you miss expectations, your stock price can drop 50 or 60 or 70% sometimes. We saw that happen. And uh, then it puts a lot of pressure from the investor community on you. So you got to win in the short run. But if you're just focused on the short run, then the long term, the long term, you're going to make short term decisions that may not work out for you well over the long term. Got to do both. Did did you hear whole uh, certain Whole Foods stores going through some of the issues I mentioned before with uh, like other grocery stores where you know in certain cases some supplies were low and oh, it yeah. was you know it was a challenge to to get those supplies back in there. Yeah, of course. So what what ended up happening is you had a massive disruption to the supply chain when we shut down the economy and when restaurants shut down because Americans eat almost fifty percent of their food they consume is eaten out. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, that just disappears, and people are eating at home. They're having to cook again. So the supply chain is set up for a lot of shipping to grocery stores, but also a lot to restaurants. And they're not the same. You can't just switch over, pull a switch, and then all of a sudden, the same type of supplies that are going to restaurants is coming to grocery stores is completely different. So the supply chain had to recalibrate itself, and that took some time. And but it, I think it has corrected itself now. I, we're not seeing the same type of out of stocks that we saw six months ago. In your time running Whole Foods, how has 
the concept of being a leader changed? Because obviously through that time, I, the, the, the just the concept of digital ha- has you know changed so many different businesses, yours as well, over the course of the last 10 to 15 years. It's astounding how, how rapidly things are changing in the world. Uh, we Actually, we, we have an important chapter devoted to it, which is it's called Innovate and Create Value. Because ultimately, business is about creating value for customers and really all the stakeholders. And if you don't, if you're not able to innovate, you're going to be left behind. But you also have to be able to adapt to the innovations that are occurring around you. Uh, frankly, one of the reasons Whole Foods wanted to merge and be acquired by Amazon was uh, because Amazon's so good at technology. And we just saw massive disruptions coming in in grocery and uh, home delivery and, and lots, lots of different – I can't talk about the technology that Amazon's working on right now. But yeah. they are looking to reinvent the supermarkets. And so we thought, you know, these guys are going to be great partners for us. We're going to sell the highest quality food. They're going to help us help us do that in the most efficient and technologically savvy way possible. And that's the way it's been going so far. It's been going very well. Yeah. So I was going to ask you to expand on that because I think the the partnership between the two, when it was first announced, it, it probably surprised some people, but I think it surprised them to the positive, knowing you know how the brand of Whole Foods had really built up in the decade prior, going back a couple of years when the, when the announcement was made, but also what Amazon had become and the potential, as you kind of lay out, the potential of what those two entities could bring to the grocery market, to consumers, to delivery, to you know, to to so many different components in in the grocery area. Uh, that's right. I mean, I think initially when you have to, when, when that deal was first announced, there was a tremendous hype around it. And the expectations went sky high that things were going to change overnight. And I think people have a tendency to overestimate the impact of technology in the short run yeah. and underestimate it over the long term. So the expectations were very high. There's no way Amazon could wave a magic wand and all of a sudden everything's going to change. But They've been working on it, and they're, and, and they're making a lot of progress. So these changes are going to become more evident in the, over the next few years. So I'm not going to tell you what they are, but um, the, it's been three years since the merger. We've done a lot of integration. We've made a lot of technology shifts over to Amazon uh, platforms and Amazon systems. And they're reinventing. Uh, they've started their own new stores up, Amazon Fresh, that a sister store to Whole Foods. And, and – uh, I'm excited. I, I think some stuff you're going to be seeing in the next few years is, is very, very cool. So what do you believe then are the potential changes, and maybe not changes, but tweaks that you will see, that we will be seeing in terms of being a leader of a company over the next few years? And, and obviously, I think in the short term, it's harder to answer that question because of COVID yeah. and the impact. And, and you know, we still got to get a vaccine. But when you think longer term, we were already heading down a, a more digital path to begin with. And I'm sure there are elements that, that you believe, maybe not necessarily with Whole Foods could be, but in general, we're going to see business changing and leadership changing. Yeah. So, of course, we wrote the book, Conscious Leadership, to talk about the ways we We'd like to see it change in the way we think it is changing. So, I mean, for the longest time, the conception of leadership has been sort of this ultra-competitive sort of, you know, a lot of the metaphors come from, from, 
from military, they come from sports, and they come from Darwinian survival of the fittest type metaphors. Right. So leadership is about being strong, and, and they admire these leaders that are kind of a little bit ruthless and make all the hard choices, they're hyper-competitive, and uh, that's, that exaggerates one side of leadership. And what's been left behind are, are the type of leaders that are more relationship-oriented, that lead with love, that look for win-win-win solutions, that are managing with high integrity. Um, so the romanticism of the tough leaders are, are, I think those are going to be lessening because increasingly we need leaders that are able to, to knit a team together, that have great relational skills, higher emotional intelligence, higher social intelligence, because leading a very large organization or large t- teams requires high communication skills, more empathy and more care than has been seen in the past. And, and of course, you need to have digital. Uh, you need to be, we talk about also in the book, in Thinking Long Term, we talk about the need to be able to think exponentially because change is occurring in a lot of cases exponentially, and our minds are really developed to think linear. It's yeah. very difficult for people to make an exponential shift, but we need to start doing it. We need to train our leaders to be able to think that way. And I guess to a degree, we, we, need, to train, we, we need to train ourselves in general. You know, as a as a as a community, to be able to start to think that way as well, we do absolutely. And of course, conscious leadership. Our book is is geared to help people to do that. But you know, there is a certain truth that generational changes also occur, and some people never do make a shift. My my father never got past the fax machine. I never could get him onto email. He <laughs> yeah. just stopped his technological learning at the fax machine. And he kept saying, fax it to me, fax it to me. I said, Dad, yeah. nobody faxes anything anymore. i got, I got to get you on email. Yeah. And now we have, we have tons of social media. There's tons of new ways to communicate. Everybody has smartphones. It's, it's, and who knows what it'll be in 10 years. Smartphones, we may look at the smartphone 10 years from now, the way we look at those giant clunker cell phones that we had coming out in the, in the, in the 80s. Yeah. So lots of more change ahead, no question about it. What do you think is ahead for your industry in general then? So it, it's it's almost impossible to predict the future because the future some ways just gets invented. And when you make a lot of predictions, you don't know what innovations are going to occur that you're not able, that you don't see yourself. But I will tell you what I do think in a most general sense is coming. Basically, people are going to be able to get whatever food they want whenever they want it, wherever they want it, and at a price that they are willing to pay. And we're just going to be more and more, the consumer is going to be queen and king, and the the business models are being designed around making them satisfied, and the ones that do the best job will be be more successful in the marketplace. So we can see that, take delivery, for example. I mean, Whole Foods wasn't even doing delivery just a few years ago. We were just getting into it. In the last year with COVID, our, our online delivery sales tripled so far in 2020 versus 2019, tripled. Yeah. That is astounding growth. And frankly, we couldn't have handled it if we hadn't, if we hadn't teamed up with Amazon. We would have been in complete overwhelm mode. You, you know, John, it, it's interesting. Uh, back in July when you guys uh, debuted uh, the cart, uh, the shopping cart, 
that, uh, you know, would basically do a lot of the work of, uh, you know, you could scan and get your pricing and everything done right on the shopping cart. I have a friend out in L.A. who went to an, uh, a Whole Foods store out there to take a look at it, and, and he was incredibly impressed. And it is, you know, it, it's just it, it's the next step in the overall process that you see piece by piece changes that are that are meant to be the, for the positive and and the growth that is that that next step overall for a variety of different businesses, yours included. Well, uh, that just a minor correction. We don't have that card in oh. our stores in Whole Foods. Oh, that's in that's in a new Amazon Fresh store. Oh, I'm sorry. In, in Woodland Hills. However, what I if you're you know what I think is going to happen here in the not super distant future is that we will be able to we'll be identified by our, our phones or some type of marker on our bodies or uh, or our fingerprints or our palm or our irises and yeah. we will know. When we come into a store, who we are, we've got a credit card on file, and uh, and people are just going to take whatever they want and just leave. There's not going to be all this checkout and people waiting in line, and uh, people are just going to flow into retail stores and flow out of them and take whatever they want, and it'll just be charged to them. Uh, I mean, we're we're heading to a much more frictionless economy than we've had in the past. We'll, we'll look on cash registers someday in the future as sort of dinosaurs. It's like, wow, you got people use cash registers. How weird is that? Yeah. And then, it, then, then the hope with that is, in the end, that it ends up improving humanity and, and we have a more, more uh, seamless you know, kind of operation that we're running here in this country and other countries around the world. I, that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You always have to worry a little bit about the dark side of technology too; it can be abused by people as well. So yeah. we have to be we have to structure things to protect individual liberties and individual rights, and not not end up in some kind of dystopia. John, thanks very much for your time. Congratulations on the book. All the best to it, and we look forward to having you back on the show again down the road. Thanks so much, Dan. Hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too, John Mackey, founder and CEO of Whole Foods. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.